Hey, y'all. Welcome to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne Bilodeau, and I am so honored to be with you here as we navigate motherhood, wifehood, sisterhood, and everything in between. This is a podcast for my fellow imperfect people who want to grow in greater communion with our most perfect God. So join me and my friends as we laugh, cry, dive deep, and explore with one another as we journey towards stilling our souls while moving our world. Good morning, my lovely, lovely friends here. Welcome back to another episode of Latte and Laundry. And I say good morning because I am up in the wee hours of the morning recording this episode. I'm just so excited to to wrap up and dive into this last element of the series we've been discussing around mothering with a red heart. But I'll be really honest, I am struggling to find the pockets of time, the half an hour of quiet to record each episode. So I'm finding myself getting up early in the wee hours with a hot cup of coffee and sitting here. And if you've been following along at all, you know I've mentioned it many times that doing this podcast and recording these episodes delights my heart more than one might realize. And sure, yes, it takes work and it takes discipline and it takes time and energy and and money and all that stuff. But it's something that I've discussed with my spiritual director over the years as we've prayed through where God is calling me and, and what it is that he wants um, me as his beloved daughter, as a wife and a mom and all these things. And there's this constant reflection on the fruit that recording these episodes does for my own self, for my own spiritual journey, for my own connection with Christ, for my own um, reflection and and just this desire to grow in greater communion with God. And this this is part of my journey in doing this, is spending this time reflecting on topics, praying through things, and, and spending time with our Lord on different things that he is putting on my heart, and then journeying alongside with you guys. So I'm tired and I'm exhausted, but I'm delighting at the same time. So I don't know where you are now as you're listening. It may not be morning. It may be evening. You might be in a run. You might be going for a, a long car ride. You might have your earbuds in your ears as a the crazies of the day are going on, or maybe you are able to sit down with a cup of tea or a hot cup of coffee and a moment of just relaxation for yourself and just wanting to continue and join me and your fellow sisters in Christ as we are trying to just lean into who we are as, as his beloved daughters. But wherever it is that you're listening to, however it is that you are hearing these words, welcome you are so welcome and I love having you here for all my longtime listeners and my new friends here. It's a delight because as I've said many times, I do not I, I do not claim to be an expert in this area. I actually wholly and fully delight in journeying alongside you guys as we learn the ways in which Christ is calling us to receive his love and to pour that out onto others. And as you know, motherhood is something that is I am super passionate about as I as I dive into the importance and the profound calling and the internal impact of motherhood sometimes I can get really overwhelmed and just cry I was just talking to a friend about it yesterday um, and found myself getting teary-eyed and weepy in like the best most beautiful way of just knowing the gift of the vocation that we've been called to the hard hard vocation the sanctifying vocation but the beauty and the gift of not only 
the what it does for my children, but the gift of what this vocation has done in transforming who I am myself. Um, but before I open us up into talking about the last part in our Red Heart series, Mothering with a Red Heart, let me open us up with our Bible verse of the week, which is Proverbs 22, 6, which says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, you guys, we have been journeying along in this Red Heart series. And let's just do a quick recap. What does it mean to mother with a red heart so far? Well, we discussed just the the symbolism and meaning of the color red in our motherhood. From the biblical standpoint of how it symbolizes the martyrs who quite literally shed blood and gave up their lives for their love of God. We too, as mothers in a very similar symbolized way, pour out our lives on a yearly, monthly, daily, minute by minute way for not only our love of children, but of the real calling, our love of God. We pour ourselves out. And it's this transformative process of learning to die to ourselves for the sake of others. And if you are a mother, you know how quickly <laughs> that calling is makes itself clear to you. And we also talked about um, the idea of just a raw, red, fleshy heart. This need to be vulnerable and transparent and accessible and authentic in relation to your children and in your vocation of motherhood. And then as we dove into the specific letters, R being to receive them. This idea of being a soft place for our children to fall. This image of being a soft pillow that they could both physically and emotionally just collapse into and be fully received and engulfed into, right? This idea that we are here to hear and receive their hearts, the good, the joy, and the heart, and the pain, and the sorrow, and that we're not these walls that we're too busy or too distracted or too overwhelmed or too annoyed where they just bounce off and fall. Because it is in the idea of receiving them that we're actually able to hear their hearts and help train them and encourage them. And it provides that space for that connection to be made so that they are ready to be embraced and discipled. And our second, our second letter E, this idea of embracing them in both the physical and in the emotional sense, right? To come towards their hearts, especially if we do not have the opportunity to receive them, if their hearts have been turned or if they, they have a tendency to close up and not pour out. I have kids, I have some children that you always know what they're feeling. They want to talk about it all the time. And then I have other children who they have to be slowly, gently, um, and patiently coaxed into opening their hearts and what they're feeling and they're experiencing. And sometimes that's a calling for us to embrace them first, come towards their hearts. And also in just the physical sense of the importance we discussed last week, the importance of touch, the importance of holding, quite frankly, the literal um, origin of the word in Latin was to hold in arms, to hold our children, to embrace our children. Um, and then lastly, this week, I am so excited 
as you could tell from our opening Bible verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it to disciple. And now I want to really, um, just quickly and briefly knock out the idea of rather than disciplining with this goal of disciplining our children, but instead this goal of discipling our children. Now, to quickly give you a sense of why I, I have felt this calling on my heart that we are called and um, being asked to disciple our children more specifically than to discipline them is because let's dis- discuss the definition, Webster's definition of discipline, which says it's the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience control it's a control gained by enforcing obedience or order or to punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character and lastly to impose order upon yikes my friends yikes (laughs) control enforce penalize impose perfecting moral character the idea of training up little hearts in the way they should go does not mean we are looking to control, to perfect, or to impose. Now, this doesn't mean it can be a completely different episode before you panic and think, oh, Suzanne thinks no order or discipline is important. My friends, no, 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 no. If you've ever heard some of my other episodes on um, rhythm and order or heard me talk about some of my other things with regards to parenting, I do not think this means that no discipline in the in the real simple sense is necessary. No. But it's just this calling to really reflect on what it means to discipline our children and how the greater calling to disciple our children is our most important job. And so instead of going down the road of discussing um, how we can discipline our children, I think the greater thing and the way we can get our children to um, be obedient, to have the moral character they're called to have can be done through the discipline area of discipling our children, right? And disciple, um, or a, a disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, such as, and, and Webster gives the definition of, in just in the Christianity perspective, one of the 12 in the inner circle of Christ's followers, according to the gospel accounts. And it's someone who's a, con- a convinced adherent to a school or an individual, or a school of thought, right? And to disciple someone is to teach them by word and example so that they model their lives upon the teacher. Okay, you guys, we are the first reflection of Christ in our children's lives. And that can be super (laughs) overwhelming when we realize how imperfect we are and how we are still children being trained up in the way we should go. It can feel very overwhelming that we are the first reflection us and our spouses are their first reflection of who Christ is in our children's lives. And yet Christ never asks us to be perfect. He doesn't tell us that we are God. We are not God in their lives. We are a reflection of him. So we will not lead perfectly. We will not train perfectly. We will not even give the example perfectly. But in training up our children in the way they should go, we are learning the way we should go as well. 
So you guys, sometimes this can be a real wake up call for us. As I was like praying through this again, I'm like, oh, right, Jesus, right? So you mean when I'm trying to teach my children that they shouldn't be yelling at their siblings or um, being disrespectful or whatever, that I probably shouldn't be yelling at them as I'm telling them not to yell (laughs) at their siblings, right? It can be really daunting when we realize, oh my gosh, we are actually called to model what we want our children to learn. That's what discipling means, right? And who was the perfect teacher? Our divine teacher was Christ himself who modeled for his disciples in in the way they should go. And John Maxwell has this great quote that I want the rest of our episode to really like lean on. And it says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Okay, you guys, if we are going to lead our children and train them in the way they should go, then we must first know the way ourselves. Okay, you guys, this is so critical. And we know this like all so well, right? Like that there's nothing we can um, translate or train our children up in a way if we do not know it ourselves, right? So how do we know the way? And I love it because Proverbs 1, 7 says it so clearly. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what is this fear of the Lord? That's the awe, this reverence, this complete astounding with who God is, his sovereignty, his goodness, right? And so in order for us to know the Lord, it first has to come with this great reverence of knowing him. How do we know how to train our children, how to behave, how to love, how to honor and respect one another, how to become (laughs) these, you know, well-adjusted, good, loving adults? It's through first knowing our Lord ourselves, knowing the way of his ways first ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we come upon this fear of the Lord and this, this knowledge of him? is we have to study scripture, you guys. And I don't mean like you have to open up your Bible and you have to be immersed in um, a Bible study, but knowing what our Lord has taught us through sacred scripture, through the tradition of the church and through the lives of the saints is critical. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness right? So having that time in scripture where it's God's words himself can do so much for our mama hearts in training us to know the way, right? Listen, learn from the lives of the saints who have gone before us, who have suffered, who has struggled, especially the mama saints out there. St. Monica, one of my favorite ones, St. Zelie Martin, so many mama saints, St. Elizabeth Ann Seaton, who have gone before us and did not learn how to train their children perfectly, but they learned to love God and they learned to know who God was so that they could translate that into the lives of their own children. So we also, I think what's super critical is in this isolated world where we often spend so much time thinking we are alone in our vocations, struggling through, pushing through, trying to train our children through the messes and the mayhem that we can often just kind of get in our own minds. And I think this is where it's so important that if we're going to know the way, spend time with our friends 
and, and other mama mentors, if you were. In fact, like research has shown that the, one of the ways to understand if a student has actually understood a lesson, right, to evaluate whether or not a student has, has understood something is to have like actually have the students talk to one another and have students find a partner to discuss the lessons and take turns being the teacher. And this really gives um, an indication about whether or not the student has learned the lesson. And this, you guys, is so true for us. And I know it from my own experience because back in the day when I used to, um, when I was at, at school, at University at Northeastern in Boston, one of the ways I loved studying was I was often asked by other students to tutor uh, students in what other subject it was. And I was a finance major, so I would get asked to st- help them study statistics or whatever it was that I was studying at the time. And I found that when I was tutoring somebody, quote unquote, training somebody, um, it was actually reinforcing so many of these lessons in my own mind. And it was also a good reflection for myself of what I wasn't understanding. And as I bounced things off one another, um, some of my peers and fellow students, it was just reinforcing some of the, the knowledge and the information and the wisdom into my into my heart and into my mind, locking it down and being it somewhere in inside where I could recall it in the future, whether it was on a test or just in my own knowledge as I moved out and after university into my job. And this is so true for us, you guys. If we're going to study scripture, if we're going to come to know the way of the Lord so that we can um, transfer that on to our children, then it's important that we also have this time, spend this time with other people where you can discuss and reflect on whether or not we are really understanding what it is that we are learning, right? And this is where like something like a Bible study. I did an episode with Lisa Brennemeyer of Walking with Purpose a few months back. Something like that, a Bible study with her or one in your own home. Or even if you're just having casual conversation with a cup of coffee with one of your girlfriends. Spending that time discussing what it is that has been on your heart. Whether it's a book you've been reading um, with regards to the faith, whether it's the the Bible itself, or even just the time and prayer you've been having with Jesus, and take that to somebody and, and discuss it with somebody because that helps us reinforce what it was that we are learning. On top of the fact that it allows us to bounce things off one another to understand whether or not we are fully understanding what it is that we are we are trying to learn and trying to take in and trying to lock in the center of our hearts. But more than anything, I've said. More than studying scripture, more than learning the lives of the saints or spending time with mama friends and peers and mama mentors who have gone before us, it's most important that we spend that time intimate prayer with Jesus and reflecting on what he has to say to you in your heart. And now that comes naturally for some people and it might be a little bit more difficult and, and what your prayer looks like is very unique in where God has you in your specific season of your life, in your specific journey of faith with him. So don't get overwhelmed if, you, if you're if you trying to take this to heart and you spend that time with our Lord and you don't feel like he's speaking to your heart or you don't hear him. Persist in prayer because he will breathe life into your heart even if you can't taste or feel it in the moment and you can't hear his voice. But the more and more you put this into the practice, the more and more you'll start to recognize when he is whispering into the depths of your heart. And my friends, that is where some of his greatest messages have been planted firmly in my heart, transforming both who I am as his beloved and who I am as wife to my husband and mama to my kids. And it's funny, I was actually just talking to 
um, somebody recently, um, a family member, and I was talking about how I had just been praying about some things that I wasn't sure where God was taking me and leading me. And I was really planning on going in one direction with something, and I had a meeting set up and everything. And in prayer, I heard, and I was really praying, like, God, if this is not what you desire for our family, if this is not what you want, don't make this um, possible decision alluring. Don't make it tempting. Don't make it, make it very clear this is not of your will. And I clearly heard him in prayer ask, ask me to give up the meeting altogether because it was going to be alluring and it wasn't going to be good for my family. And that was like nothing I was planning on doing, not the direction I was planning on going at all. And I had to, in that moment, um, find myself obedient and and answer that call that he put on my heart. And now <laughs> I'm not saying every time we have a thought in our mind that it's always clearly the word of God, but there's a conviction and there's a clarity and there's a peace when you know it's of God. And a lot of times it might not be the direction you thought you were going, which is also um, relatively clear that it's not your own doing that you are putting these thoughts in your mind. But if you're in a place where you're dis- discerning where what you are hearing in your heart, this is something that you can take to your priest or if you're blessed to have a spiritual direction to ask for that clarity. But that person I was telling this to was like, wait, how do you know that's what God wanted? And I, it's almost hard to explain, but it comes from years of practice and years of spending that intimate time with God. Even if it's just right now in my season of life at the kitchen sink while I'm washing dishes. Um, so it's so important for us to know the way is to actually spend that time with him first and foremost. And then my friends, once we know the way, we actually have to go the way. Um, And this can be actually one of the parts that's extremely difficult because we've often learned, right? Whether it's what we've been, we've learned in the Sunday homily or through our catechism classes as a child or through the podcast we're listening to or through our time in prayer and scripture, we have learned how to be kind, respectful, gentle, Christ-loving to all those we encounter. We know it. Like we've, we've been trained in the way to go. But it's so easy when life gets really overwhelming or distracted or distracting that we don't actually go the way. We know the way and we don't go the way. And you guys, to be honest, this is the story of my motherhood life where there are these firm ideals that I know are of God and how he is calling me to mother and to love those I encounter. And a lot of times I can live that out and a lot of times I do not. And I run to the confessional or I get on my knees and I apologize to those that I've hurt in any way. But it's that ability to dust ourselves up, pick ourselves back up and go the way again. Don't drop those ideals. Don't forget all that we know and we've learned and we've been taught. Don't let it go for the sake of distraction or anxiety or fear. Instead, go the way that you know you are being called to go. And this, my friends, is how we can then show the way. Because when we are being kind or respectful or gentle, docile, letting go of the control and the anxiety of all that we want to happen and and the pride that gets built up sometimes when we when our children are disrespectful or disobedient and we we can get really indignant like i was just talking to one of my girlfriends about this recently that 
I could be so gentle and docile. And then after the 15th time of someone disrespecting me or someone being disobedient in that hour, I all of a sudden snap with an indignation of how dare they disrespect me. I'm slaving away. I've barely put clothes on today and I've already cooked so much food for everybody and taught so many lessons and scratched so many backs and consoled so many tears. And then you just get in and when this is a sneaky, sneaky thing. I actually was just talking to my kids about too, that the enemy wants to rock our hearts and say, it's not fair. Or there's a massive injustice here because he wants our pride to build up and he wants us to lose sight of everything we've been taught. He wants us to no longer go the way, even though we know the way. He wants to take us off of the path of loving those around us. And God in his mercy knows our frailty, knows our humanity, and knows we are going to fall. So this is not a calling to say shame on us when we mess up, but just that we have to get back up again. We have to let that pride and that that, um, indignation go and resume our calling to go the way in which we know we are called to love the little people in our home. And lastly, you guys, show the way, right? Gentle touching, gentle speaking, honoring everyone in our family with our words. We model and we lead. Um, And it's so important. We know this. Like in psychology, behavior modeling is actually a learning process in which it talks about how an individual learns new behaviors primarily by observing others. It's a type of observational learning that involves watching and imitating the behavior of others. And there's processes of, there's like four steps that happen with this, attention, retention, reproduction, and motivation that all wrap up someone modeling our behavior. And you see that piece of it in terms of motivation. It's not a carrot and stick as my lovely friend Bonnie Landry of... um, make joy normal always talks about we are not trying to motivate our children solely by rewards and consequences to behave in the way that God has designed us in our humanity and called us to love one another but instead because of the connection because of their desire to love us and to love God and that is not natural for the little people and one and one of the reasons why my kids don't behave solely because they they feel this desire to love mama and to love God or to love their siblings. They do it a lot of times because this is what they're, they're simply being obedient. Um, and sometimes they're often not right, but that should be the desire. That should be the goal for our children to um, be launched into this life and into this world of living out their lives in virtue and in goodness and in truth because of their love of God and neighbor, not because of some grand fear of punishment and consequences or for some grand desire of reward. Because when those things are not present, then what is in their hearts calling them and leading them to live their lives as God has so called us, right? And so this is the ideal and this is the goal and our tiny little people in our home will frequently not display that. So do not fear. But this is why it's so important that we show them the way by our own humility, our own obedience, our own docility, our own abandonment so they can learn to similarly follow suit. And one of the reasons why it was so critical when we're 
I was going through this and praying through this that God put on my heart, not with regards to putting out on a podcast or sharing with anybody, but for my own motherhood. He put this whole red heart thing in my in my heart and soul because he wanted to remind me. He wanted to take me back to the to the to the core of it all when I was getting overwhelmed by the lack of respect or obedience and the mayhem and the messes and just feeling I felt all of a sudden this swirling up in my soul of I got to get this back in order control and he took a step back and reminded me that and and, we, and they show this all the time and they're doing more and more research proving and studies showing that the student teacher relationship has a more powerful impact on the student's ability to learn a lesson if it is a positive relationship they might be able to test well on a, an exam if it's a fearful, authoritative, intimidating relationship. But the process of actually learning, retaining, and implementing the knowledge that they have out into the world and to their jobs is actually less successful if the relationship between student and teacher is fractured, if it's um, anxiety-driven. And this just plays so important in our home, and that is why this idea of receiving embracing before you disciple the kids are having a big old fight and my natural inclination my humanity you guys my um natural being wants to come running over raise my voice break up the fight send everybody their own way and get back to folding the laundry or doing the dishes or cooking the meal or teaching the lesson that i was doing but that is not the most fruitful um most efficient most beautiful way for our kids to learn how to resolve that fight instead it's this calling to receive our children as painful as it might be if that's the 30th fight we're dealing with in the morning to receive our children to tell them i see you i hear you and i'm sorry for what you're experiencing embracing them scratch that butt that back rub that hair walk with them console them Come after them if it's a, a child who tends to run away when, when a fight shows up and doesn't want to cry to you about it, but runs away because doesn't want to deal with the uncomfortability of the conversations to come. But embrace them and then approach with the discipleship, taking that time to teach them and to show them how to behave and modeling that in your own communication in that experience. And one of the most important things before I wrap up this conversation about discipling our children is what did it look like? We saw this in scripture. What did it look like? How did Jesus disciple? How did he teach? He wasn't this removed man, this removed God, just dictating all the rules and policies all the ways that the disciples and followers should should act, behave, and live their lives. No, instead, he walked alongside them. He encountered their hearts. And it was through that encounter that there was an, an, a drawing out of their hearts that called them to follow him. And that is precisely what we are called to do with our children. We're not called to stand far away, just dictating rules and, and ways in which our kids need to behave and need to act and don't embarrass, but instead we're called to walk alongside them. And that's not easy when we're so busy, whether you have one or 11 children, it can be really hard to find the time to feel like you are 
intimately connecting and walking alongside your children. But if we are going to show the way as we know we are called to do, then they need to first know that they are cared for, they are seen, and they are known by their mama. And then they will meet us in those places and slowly, my friends, so, so, so slowly also learn the way they should go. Um, A.W. Tozer has this great quote which says, only a disciple can make a disciple, right? And then blessed Titus Bransma says, saints make saints. Your behavior shows how much you love your savior. So if there's anything I would say coming away from the end of this episode in this entire series on mothering with a red heart, yes, I, I care so deeply and so profoundly for the vocation of motherhood because you guys, I think it is one of the, if not the greatest vocation on the face of this earth. But before you focus your hearts on your children, focus first your eyes to the heavens above. We first must be disciples. We first must follow our Lord, both in heart and in action, if we are going to then lead our children in love towards him. Okay, you guys, it has been a blessing as it always is to be here with you today, to um, just journey on this thing, this life, um, especially most recently in this intimate way of really reflecting on motherhood and our calling to love the little souls and hearts in our home. So before I wrap us up, let me close us in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I just praise you and thank you so much for the gift of of my motherhood and for the gift and vocation of the motherhood for all my, my friends and listeners here. I just, I pray that we can always see your tender and most merciful eyes upon us that we may know we are adored and loved. So we don't feel the enemy's trap of shame when we mess up because Lord boy, do we mess up, but that even when our nature fights against showing the souls in our home, the way of love, that our strong will and our good will, who, which is ferociously fighting after you, Lord, that that steps in the way of our own frail human nature so that way we act out in love with a docility, with a surrender, and with a tender trust in you as we love our children in our home. Mama Mary, the most perfect mother, the model of mother, I ask you to intercede here for all of us as we are striving to love our children as your son has asked us to. Let us remember that they are on loan and that they are never fully ours for they are God's alone. We do not possess them. We are called to love them. I ask that you intercede for us to continue to be that mediatrix of grace that you are so that we may be flooded with all of the gifts given to us by Christ, so that when we feel incapable of persevering in love, that we remember, as Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, my friends, I am so, um, so delighted to be here with you as early and as crazy as it is today. And I am so looking forward to catching up with you guys next week. Hope you all have a blessed week. God bless. Bye. Thank you.